Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Not too long ago, well, eh, eh, I'll back that up a minute. We just got back from from Texas and uh, went down to see my little sister, who was the first in my immediate family to graduate from college. So I was very, very proud to watch her do that and got to go stay at my brother's lake house at Possum Kingdom. And it's always a great time of rest and relaxation before we left. The way that house is built, it has like an addition onto it. And so... Um, I, I grabbed Willie, and Willie's a Chihuahua. We had Willie, the Chihuahua, we had Sancho, and we had uh, Busy, the one that's with us today, the Sky Terrier. They all three went with us. And so I grabbed Willie because he's a little guy, and I don't know what it is about the lake house, but he gets real scared. I don't know if it's like the coloring of the floor. It's like a gray laminate flooring. And he just he's scared the whole time when he's, when he's inside there. It's like he doesn't like the floor texture or something. So instead of fighting with him and watching him tuck his little tail and like, like he's going to fall through the floor. I just picked him up, right? I got like one eye open because it's like 5.30 in the morning. And so anyway, I, I walk out and I, and I come out of my bedroom and it's just me and Cammy, right? And I come out of my bedroom taking Willie and I'm like, come on, Sancho, come on, busy. And we're walking out and I turn the corner to go out and I run just smack dab into the screened in door. Just smack. And I ran Willie into the screened in door too. And I thought, you moron. <laughs> Which made me start laughing because I heard a story about a moron. (laughs) Most of the time I live it. But this time it was somebody else being a moron. And it's actually, this this actually comes from a a comedian named Jeff Allen who was, who was at one point, well, you'll hear what he was at one point. Uh, He, 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 he sets up the story as uh, he's playing, he's a comedian doing bars and doing stand-up comedy and stuff like that. And he meets this other guy that's willing to do comedy for like a hundred dollars a week. Because this dude's worth like $10 million and he's retired and he always wanted to be a comedian. So he doesn't care about the money. And he said, well, I got mad because there was somebody doing my job for a hundred dollars a week when we're trying to get a hundred dollars a day. And he said, so I ended up trying to figure out what this guy was like, and I found out he was real rich, and he belonged to some of the most prestigious country clubs in the country. So I started hanging out with him, just like and he's, wherever he's at. He talks about Muir Village. I guess it's a real exclusive country club. He said, so one day, I made best friends with him so I could go play golf at these really nice places. And he said, so one day we're talking, and, and, and he says something about the Bible. And we pick up the story there. He said, don't give me all of that. Now, these are two stand-up comedians, right? Jeff says, don't give me all that. I don't believe in the Bible. And the guy says, well, what do you mean? What do you, what do you not believe about the Bible? He goes, I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read it because I'm an atheist. <laughs> and the guy looks at Jeff and says, you're not an atheist. You're a moron. <laughs> and he said, it kind of made me mad, and I thought about hitting him, but I really like this country club deal. So I, instead of hitting him, I just looked at him and said, well, would you explain yourself? And he says this. He says, well, you see, a true atheist is not only a biblical scholar, but scholarly in all the faiths of the world. And after a long intellectual journey through all these faiths, he has come to the conclusion that there is no God of the universe. 
You, on the other hand, have circumvented the whole intellectual process and concluded that there is no God. Not only is that lazy, it's moronic. Right? I have that same feeling. I saw another deal on social media the other day. Most of you over 50 aren't going to get that. This, what I'm fixing to say, okay? But it was a conversation between a young girl and a young boy. At, well, 20s. And, uh, my age. And, uh... The guy looks at the girl and goes, what do you do for a living? And she said, I'm an Instagram model. She goes, what do you do? He said, I'm a soldier on Call of Duty. (laughs) Right? Listen, I think the same thought process applies to people that like to fight that think they're warriors. Okay? I think people that like to fight that call themselves a warrior... I don't think that liking to fight makes you a warrior. I think it makes you a moron. And how do I know that? Because I spent most of my life being one. I know them intimately. I know their thought process. I know everything. Right? I was a moron that liked to fight. I didn't win very much. I was too small. But it never was about winning with me. It was about the reckoning. Right? Just needed some muscle to go along with my reckoning. Today, we are going to be looking at a true warrior. Not somebody that likes to fight, not somebody that likes to pretend. We're not talking about, you know, soldiers on call of duty. We're talking about an actual, physical, real-life warrior. And his name was David. But not only was he a warrior, he was a poet. You don't see that very often. I mean, you walk into any art gallery in Denver or Boulder, and it's going to be really hard to find a warrior in there, right? It just in today's in in our society today, you just don't see those two. Those are like opposite ends of the spectrum, right? But he wasn't just a warrior; he wasn't just a poet. He was a king and a prophet. No wonder that David's most well-known characteristic is something that we will be talking about as well today. And the fact of what God called him. God called him a son. God called him a king. And God called him a man after his own heart. What made David be a man after God's own heart? Well, we already talked about it a little bit. David was a warrior. He didn't become necessarily a warrior he had that mindset from the very beginning because David was a shepherd he was the youngest of all of his brothers which means he was the low man on the totem pole that got all the boring jobs right so he was a shepherd of the sheep okay these things these poor pitiful things that can't take care of themselves they can't defend themselves they are walking around looking for a place to die and that is David's job and not only he's he the youngest He's the smallest of all of his brothers, right? And he has to go out and defend the lowliest of God's creatures against the mightiest of God's creatures. David was a warrior even as a young child in defending the sheep. Is it any wonder that after David grows up, and he's a teenager probably, something like that, that he gets sent to war? Well, he he has to take his brother's food Because they're in a war. Now, way back then, you know, I mean, there are not as many people on the earth as it is today. And um, basically, 
A lot of times, two armies would square off and they would send out two champions. Instead of everybody dying, they'd just let the champions fight. Well, that's what they were trying to do here to avoid bloodshed on both sides. So the, the Philistines' champion is a man named Goliath. Okay, We all know what Goliath was. He was a giant of a man, huge, and he is going out every day and calling out the champion of God, and God, if God is so mighty, where is his champion to come out and prove it, right? Nobody will go out and fight this guy until the little shepherd boy shows up, right? Well, we all know the story. David fights Goliath, and he beats him. But to have a warrior's mind, you need three things. You need three things. First, what made David a warrior is his perspective. See, the size of Goliath did not produce fear, to David, it produced a bigger target. Listen, David, well, first off, Goliath brought a knife to a projectile fight, okay? Our modern day is he brought a knife to a gunfight. I am sorry, but I cannot think, every time I think of the battle of David and Goliath, I think of Indiana Jones when the guy pulls out the sword and does all this, and Indiana Jones just shoots him. That was, that was the battle of David and Goliath, okay? He's like, I'm, you know why the arrow was invented, right? The bow and arrow? Because somebody said, I want to stab them, but they're way over there. That's how bow and arrows were invented. It's how to stab somebody from long distances. Well, you know what rocks are? Slings? It, it allows you to cross distances at very, very uh, quick rate. Now, you have to understand, what else is there to do? While you were out there forever watching sheep eat. <laughs> Your tie's about to have a runaway, right? <laughs> I get it, man. You know what he did? He practiced with his sling. And he could probably hit a fox between the eyes at 100 paces. So when this dude's standing 30 feet from him and his head's this big, David's like, okay, you seen them sharpshooters that can go, Quack, 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 and hit all the, the little bitty targets. That's like putting them in front of a broadside of a barn and going, hit that. And they're like, are you serious? You want me to just be scared of the broadside of a barn? I can take this guy out all day long. That was David. His perspective was different. His perspective was different. And you know what? You think, how could a little shepherd boy not be afraid of a man? When you fought lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Well, of course not. But you know what the other thing about being a warrior is? Warriors fight big fights. Warriors fight big fights. And you know what most stress comes from? Little fights. Think about that. Little fights. It's not the big things that drag us down. It's the little thing that drag us down. David, his life is characterized by big fights. And isn't it crazy how the little ones are the ones that end up getting him? To be a warrior, you have to have perspective. The second thing that separates fighters from warriors is this right here. The difference in a fighter and a warrior is that you can't become a warrior until you put the ego down. A warrior never fights for ego. You know that. See, the, the definition of a bully and a fighter, well, I wasn't big enough to be a bully, which I don't guess you have to be big, but I wasn't big on talking, and we all have a chip on our shoulder. In order to go from a fighter to a warrior, a warrior, you got to take the chip off your shoulder, and that chip is tough because it's attached to a thing called ego. There's a time in David's life that he's walking along and this guy's just giving him the what for, just talking about stuff that he didn't do. It was totally bull, right? And he's just mouthing, throwing rocks at David. 
And the leader of David's mighty men said, hey, man, say the word, and I'll go cut that fellow's noggin off, right? David said, I'll let that dude go. He's like, man, he's sitting there blaspheming you and cussing you and throwing rocks at you, and you didn't even do any of that stuff. He goes, yeah, but I've done other things. He said, that ain't a fight that I want to do. I can beat him. I can send you to beat him. That dude can't beat a single person in my entire army, so I ain't going to go fight him. Let him. Let him talk his noise. David didn't have an ego. See, a lot of times we walk around and, and, and we know that we want to fight for something, but instead of fighting for something, we start fighting against everything because everything wants something. It's our ego. Smashes the little man on our shoulder. You can't be a warrior with ego on your shoulder. And the third defining aspect, well, when we're talking about ego, this came to mind. When there's no ego in the wind, because when, when David beat Goliath, he chopped his head off, right? He walked back up to King Saul, just said, there's that dude's champion. He went back to his sheep. He didn't say, look at me, look at me. He just did it. When there's no ego in the wind, there's no shame in the failure. You know what I mean? I mean, if you, if, if you don't feel the need to pat yourself on the back with a win, there's no need to beat yourself up when it doesn't go right. That's what was a good thing about David. I mean, we all know David had some lowest of lows. He, he had a good a very loyal friend of his killed so that he could take that dude's wife against her will. And he had a son die from it. And the Lord told him, man, this is on you. This is on you. And when David's son died, after all of the praying and crying and everything that David did to try to save his son's life, and when it didn't happen, he got up and washed his face and put his clothes back on. He said, I've sinned against the Lord, and the Lord gave judgment. So now it's time to get back with it. Man, he, he experienced some highs and lows. There was no shame in his failure. There was repentance, but there was no shame. He said, I've sinned against you, Lord. And he asked the Lord for forgiveness, and the Lord forgave him. And he kept on at it. And the third thing about being a warrior is purpose. His purpose. A warrior's job is to fight for something, not against it. We just got through talking about that. A warrior's job is to fight for something, not against. Too many people in today's society, they're fighting against something, not fighting for something. But here's the deal. David had discipline because he had purpose. He knew what he was fighting for. He was fighting for God, for Israel, for his people. He had discipline. He had devotion. He had determination. And he was even willing to die because you don't go into battle without knowing that you, this might be your last one. He was willing to give all of his discipline, all of his devotion, all of his determination, and even unto death, he fought for something. Do we? Do we fight for something? Or we just fight against those that hit that raw nerve of ego? Or do we just fight against the things that we don't like because they're not our opinion? Do you want to be a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart? Be a warrior. Be a warrior. Have the right kingdom perspective. Have, don't do away with ego. And have a purpose. Fight, fight on God's side. The second thing that David was that made him a man after God's own heart was he was a poet. He was a poet. He was a singer and musician. The Psalms of David are still saying in Israel today. You know what I like about that? He wasn't afraid to express himself. You want to see who's self-conscious? Go to a karaoke bar. David was never afraid of singing karaoke, right? Make a joyful noise, even if it's just you and God, right? He wasn't afraid to express himself, man. He was a singer and a musician. He played the pocket fiddle, right? Like, a, like the pocket harp, the lyre, right? Had some strings and kind of like a mini guitar. Sang in King Saul's court. What do you think he was doing out there? While the sheep were just eating and eating and eating. He picked up the little pocket guitar, right? Learned how to play an instrument, man. Singing out there for the sheep. Things were good. He was a dancer, too. You know what, guys? 
If you're, if you're a man and you're listening, I want to say that you are to blame for something. You are to blame, man. I am holding you personally accountable for this blasphemous things that we call line dancing. It is an abomination against God. It is not the natural order of things. And y'all need to be a little more like David. The Holy Spirit has that dog filled to the brim. Filled to the brim. David wasn't afraid of dancing, guys, and he was a man after God's holding heart. Quit being a sissy and go ask them girls to dance. They're out there dancing all by themselves, doing lots of kicks and stuff like that, and it's cute. I know it. But dancing is the only way that you can legally go put your arm around a beautiful woman and hold her hand and not go to jail for it. Take your two minutes and thank God for it. They are precious creatures, and you're making them dance by themselves. Stop it. We have something coming up on Saturday night. Ugh. <laughs> you know what? David got in trouble for dancing, too. Well, he was dancing naked out in the street, and his wife got a little ticked at him, right? Hey, guys, have you ever been... <laughs> your, your wife ever got, like, at your age? Well, I don't know what the big deal was, honestly. He's out there dancing naked in the street, and everybody's, like, weirded out that the warrior king is commando. I don't... Uh, you know, I mean, he just went commando. It ain't no big deal. No, I'm joking. He... Man, can we express ourselves? That's the point. If David was nothing else, he was expressive. And he wasn't afraid to show that expression. He was also a poet. You know, while there are songs of joy and thanksgiving in the Psalms, there's also prophecy and poetry. David cried out to God. Man, we have, we have stood in the bowels of Caiaphas' house. For those of y'all that went to Israel, at Caiaphas' house in a dungeon, and read Psalm 90. It's dark. It's mean. Like with what's going on in that. But David was never afraid to express his emotion. To cry out to God. To give God credit. And to ask for his help. Not only was David a warrior. He was an artist. He was an artist. And you know what else he was? The third and final thing that David was. As far as artistry goes. I think the lesson from that that we can learn is. I think a lot of times that we think it's tough. To keep our emotions bottled inside. That, that the, the definition of a man is to never let anything bother us, to bottle all of that stuff inside, act like nothing's wrong, to respond to any question with how things are going. Busy. Busy. <laughs> Isn't that a word every time? Oh, they've been busy. Same old, same old. Man, wonder what wonder what would happen if we just were honest. Isn't that the, the root behind it? Just be honest. Honest about how you feel. And I'm not talking about being honest. I don't like your shirt. Your glasses are stupid. That's not honesty. That's moronic. Okay? Honesty does not mean going around sharing your opinion with everybody. Okay? But finally, we've talked about David being a warrior. We've talked about him being an artist. He was a man. He was a man. But he was a king. He was a king. You know what I think of when I think of David and his kingship? I think it was a natural position for David. Because, and, and I'm not saying there are, it's just so that we can wrap our heads around some things, okay? It's just a metaphor, all right? But I, I think that there are some levels that people get to as Christians. And, and maybe we, and like, I'm just going to say this, right? So like you've got like a peasant level faith, and there's a squire level faith, and there's a knight level faith, and there's a governor level faith, and there's a prince level faith. And there's a king-level faith. David had a king-level faith. 
he was king level, okay, with, with how he expressed himself, with what he was, the lengths by which he was willing to go towards. He was a king even before he was a king. I mean, before he wore the crown of, of Israel, when, um, when Saul was trying to kill him because Samuel had said, Saul, the Lord has departed from you now, and David is the anointed king. Saul kept trying to kill David. David never would kill him. Because just because at one time Saul was the anointed one. And David was like, who am I to take the one, even if you're not anointed anymore? One time you were. God found favor in you, and I will never hurt one of God's anointed. David was a king before he was a king. Because he conducted himself like one. He conducted himself like one. He took his life that seriously. He didn't even fight to be king whenever he was king. He kept trying, not, he wasn't trying to avoid it. He was just like, Saul's the king. When he's over, I'll go in. But right now, Saul's the king, and I don't care that he's trying to kill me. He's my king. He was king level before he was even a king. Second thing is he had limits. See, probably the hardest thing to understand about David is that he was no different than you or me. He, was no, he served the same God. He was faced, maybe not to the same levels, but he had choices to make. Is the choice going to be what God would want or what I would want? He was faced with the same choices that you are. He was faced with the same choices that I am. He was, a, he was human, and he made human mistakes. And in 2 Samuel 21, verse 15, we see the limit of his limits. And it says this, David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. David's an older man now. He's not in his prime anymore. He's been king. He's seen, I mean, he had the affair with Bathsheba. I mean, all of these things, right? It says, David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. And in the next verse, and I didn't write down this verse, because it, let me just tell you what it says. He's fighting against another giant, a man as big as Goliath that had a spear that weighed like 300 shekels, right? And he had a new sword, and he called David out, and David went out there to fight with him, and David got exhausted fighting against this giant. And in verse 15 says, David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. Verse 16 is a lot of stuff about what the guy's name was, and that he had a new sword and a spear. And then in verse 17 it says, but Abishai son of Zariah, came to David's rescue. He wasn't invincible. David had limits. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, saying, Never again will you go out with us to battle, so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. You know what? There's some of you guys that are in the upper ages. And just in case you haven't reached the gray-haired stage, also understand, all of you, that there's no expiration on your foot. You don't know when Jesus will come back or you will meet him at the time of your death. But you have limits. And at the end of that day, maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's 60 years from now, 70 years from now for some of you, will you have anything else to prove? There will come a time that each of us will reach the end of our road and begin another. Is your end going to be characterized? And I think this fits exactly with what George was saying. Okay? Here's my own question. 
Is your end going to be characterized by rest or regret? Have you done everything in your power and have you reached the limit of it? Did you go down swinging or did you go down with nothing but memories and regret? There will come a time for all of us to reach the end of the road and start another. And just to whet your appetites, just to whet your appetites. I don't know that we can talk about what happens to us after we die unless we truly understand the promises that were made to David about the Messiah. Some promises were made that affect you physically, spiritually, emotionally, and everything in between. You will be affected by God's promise to David about your eternal life. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are in God. Uh, I'm just going to say it. God, I, I pray that, that Jesus comes back for us today. I'm going to pray that he comes back to us to, and comes and gets us today. But if not, if it's not today, God, if you do not send him, send us strength to continue to do your work. That it doesn't matter everything else that's going on, <clears throat> going on. Help us to be warriors. Help us to be artists, to express your love of how much you love in whatever form it needs to take. And help us to be men and women of God. That we will enter into our eternal time as a time of rest, not a time of regret. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And help us to grow towards you each and every day. Help us to put down the ego and the pride and pick up your standard, pick up your code, and walk humbly with our Lord and Savior. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.